the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the second hour of The George Show. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler today and tomorrow. Right here on News Talk 710 KNUS. And then, of course, a third day of 6 a.m. with The Jimmy Sangenberger Show coming up on Saturday morning. We're shifting gears here now to both national and international. And what has been happening in Israel and Gaza, of course, we are about a week and a half, a little more, almost two weeks, if I can do math, away from when Hamas, the jihadist terrorist organization in Gaza, attacked Israel in the most brutal Assault against Jews that we have seen for a single day since the Holocaust. They paraglided Hamas terrorists to a a music festival, slaughtering 260 innocent people and kidnapping many others. Children have been abducted and murdered. Women have been abducted and raped. The situation Overseas is perilous. President Biden in Israel yesterday reiterated his support for the people of Israel and showed that support in part as well by acknowledging that it was Hamas allies, Islamic Jihad, that appeared to be responsible Specifically that organization. We know it was not Israel that was responsible for the blast that happened at a hospital in Gaza a couple of days ago. That some in Congress, including anti-Semite Rashida Tlaib, refuse still to this day to acknowledge the truth that Israel was not responsible. And U.S. intelligence shows this and also indicates that it was Islamic Jihad that was responsible for it. Also in the last day or two, Bibi Netanyahu... The Prime Minister of Israel was meeting with the Chancellor of Germany, and he said, point blank, Hamas is the new Nazis. This is the savagery that we only remember uh, from the Nazi crimes in the Holocaust. Hamas uh, are the new Nazis. Hamas is ISIS, in some instances worse than ISIS. And just as the world united to defeat the Nazis, just as the world united to defeat ISIS, the world has to stand united behind Israel to defeat Hamas. And meanwhile, there's a rise in anti-Semitic incidents here in our country. We've seen New York University students, for example, going around tearing down posters with the names and pictures of innocents who have been kidnapped in Gaza. Tearing them down brazenly. And the list goes on. 
Glad to be rejoined this morning to discuss all of these happenings by my good friend out of Stoughton, Massachusetts, the rabbi at Ahavath Torah Congregation in Stoughton, Rabbi Jonathan Hausman returns here on 710 KNUS. My friend, I didn't expect to invite you on this station again uh, just over a month since the last time I talked with you, but alas, here we are with a very precarious situation. Welcome back. Oh, precarious. Yeah, it's a nice way of putting Boy, it, isn't it? That is that is a very calm Mild. way of putting it, I think, you know. Um, um, because, listen, and Jimmy, and thank you for having me back on. I, I really do appreciate it. It's a uh, welcome diversion with regard to everything else I'm involved with, as you know. Um, off-air conversation, of course. Of course. Um, listen... Uh, you know, in terms of the, this unbridled Jew hatred, uh, you know, the only way I can start this conversation is by saying this all reminds me of what my maternal grandparents used to share when we would ask them what life was like back in Tsarist Russia um, that prompted them both my grandmother and my grandfather to say enough's enough <clears throat> moving to America. And I distinctly remember, I mean, my grandfather describing the unbridled and wanton and government inspired destruction of Jews, Jewish towns, Jewish communities throughout the pale, what was called the pale of settlement. Uh, the greater part of which is, would today be located in the Ukraine. And my grandmother, and, and as a matter of fact, my grandfather said that the Kishinev pogrom in 1903 was for him the final straw that said, I have to leave. And when his father, my great-grandfather, who came to the United States to actually be a blacksmith in, in, in Omaha, Nebraska, had amassed enough money, he went back to to Russia, and and um, my grandfather walked to Germany, missed the boat, and then walked down to what is today Dubrovnik uh, on the Asian to catch a boat to the United States. My grandmother distinctly remembers as an eight-year-old stealing across the border into what was Germany with Cossacks chasing her, her brother, and my great-grandmother, my grandmother's mother, across the border, uh, and, and stories about the raping and the pillaging and the, the burning and all that. I mean, this is, this is as I said to my synagogue uh, this past Saturday, we had a unity with Israel Shabbat. As I said to him, you know, we heard stories about pogroms. But, you know, now you see one. This is what it looks like. It's no longer, for those of us who had grandparents and heard these stories, it's no longer pictures in a book anymore. It's, it's up close. It's, it's live. And, and, you know, not without, not without reason, this is not the first time we've seen these kinds of jihadist-inspired attacks. I mean, think about what happened in Sinjar to the Yazidis. You know, yeah. Well, not so different. Not so different. But I. But the 
the actual desecration of bodies of Jews, yeah. I think, has just taken this to a much different level this time. Rabbi Jonathan Hausman, our guest, uh, I think what you're getting at here is not only is this nothing new, but it is a longstanding story of history. You have in the past referenced this uh, rising Jew hatred as the constantly mutating virus because it shifts and changes forms depending on what era of history you're in. Today, it seems to be in the form of, oh, well, this is all anti-colonialist and we're trying to oppose oppression. And that's how you get a lot of Americans who are getting into that anti-Semitic territory under the guise of or maybe even genuinely thinking, oh, I'm just being anti-occupation, anti-oppression, anti-colonialist. What do you make of that aspect of this, especially as we see, Rabbi, across the country from New York University to Harvard to the University of Pennsylvania to all over the rise in anti-Semitic rhetoric in this country? But it's not just anti-Semitic rhetoric, and you're absolutely correct. You know, here in Boston, you have Harvard, you have Tufts, you have Boston University. There were these paroxysms that are taking place. The entire university system of the City University of New York, CUNY, okay, you have the second largest or the third largest university, public university system in the country. Almost all 25 of its campuses infected with this. Okay, um, University of Pennsylvania, by the way, my wife's alma mater, um, you know, Harvard, Harvard had a huge, uh, actually, before I get to that piece. So University of Pennsylvania, University of South Florida, Berkeley, UCLA, and, and college campuses in between. And it's not just the college campuses here, college campuses in Canada and what's happening over in the United Kingdom as well. Um, you know, only now are our donors and not necessarily jewish donors by the way are waking up seeing what's happening uh you know in the academy as it were and saying wait a minute you mean the millions the tens of millions the hundreds of millions of dollars that i or my foundations have been donating to harvard and penn and whatnot right this is what this is what it's going for so you know the Wexner found it, uh, the Wexner Foundation. I don't know if you know who the Wexner Foundation is, but if you don't, I'll tell you who they are. Have you ever seen the stores Nine West or J Jill? That's the Wexners. Yeah, that's v- the Wexner Victoria's family. Secret and Bath and Body Works. Yeah, that was all the limited brands. That's right. Well, that's right. That's right. Um, you know, uh, Jewish family out of Columbus, Ohio. They had a huge. The foundation had a huge connection to Harvard, and literally, the foundation just said. Uh, the beginning of this week, we're turning off the spigots. Former ambassador and former governor John Huntsman, Huntsman, all right, not Jewish. He just said to University of Pennsylvania, it's his alma mater. He said, we're done. Okay. Uh, Ronald Lauder, all right, heir to the Estee Lauder Foundation. Okay. F- uh, former president, I think he may still even be the current president of the World Jewish Congress, turning off the spigots. And this is what has to happen for people who donate, donate large, I think donate small as well, need to turn off the spigots. Yeah. And, and you know, this blatant, and, and since you brought this up, I mean, we really should talk about the blatant anti-Semitism on college campuses. It has shocked. 
Americans across the board. Well, and Rabbi, this is the one kind of, we hear all these, oh, anti-hate, and you can't be, we, we want to do all these seminars and different workshops and different things about anti-blackness and all this, but somehow there seems to be a tolerance for Jew hatred on college campuses. It's like that's Without the question. exception. Without question. And and listen, since this is the one show that I know I can speak freely about these things, I'm going to do it. You know, you, you see anti-Semitism on a weekly basis on college campuses across the country um, uh, emanating much of it from this diversity, equity, and inclusion aspect of it. You know, it, it's, it's a, it seems to be a toxic ideology deliberately that stokes hatred toward Israel and the Jewish people, you know, far in excess of any other group on campus, okay? Um, you know, what boxes do you check, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera to the exclusion uh, of, of, of Jews? You know, it's, if you're going to think about DEI, what you really want is an inclusive learning environment. But that's not what it happens, you know. Exactly. Toxic form. It's, you know, what you want to know what it really should be called now that I'm talking about this. It really should be called critical social justice. Mm. Which, which which means, in effect, it becomes the opposite of what it's supposed to do and what it's supposed to work. Yes. Oh, exactly. You know, there was a very interesting piece, Rabbi Jonathan Hausman, in the Wall Street Journal. You might have seen it a couple of days ago. Uh, the headline, Don't Hire My Anti-Semitic Law Students, by Stephen Davidoff Solomon, who's a law professor at the University of California, Berkeley. And he said, right. quote, if you don't want to hire people who advocate hate and practice discrimination, don't hire some of my students. Anti-Semitic conduct is nothing new on university campuses, including here at Berkeley. That is a startling sentence to read from a college professor, an admission. But, right, and I will tell you something. At least there are some college professors that are standing up and writing those things and saying those things. And it's not just him. There are the, you, you know, the, the, the silk-stocking law firms in New York who are revoking job offers to some of these people involved and, and what's taking place. You know, one of the 31 or 34 student groups that are advocating for Israel's elimination up at the Harvard campus. There are people whose jobs offers are being being withdrawn. Um, the head of the Student Bar Association at NYU, okay, uh, last name of Workman, I think, if I remember correctly from the reports, her job offer was withdrawn because of some of this stuff. Yeah, and, but it's that. Um, you know, there were stories about schools I mean, and, and actually, this was actually happened at a university right down the street from where I live. I don't know how many people out in the Denver area know this, but in greater Boston, we have 35 universities and research universities here. Okay, so there's one literally down the street from where I live. I got a call last year. They wanted to have a Hanukkah party. And okay, fine. Well, Rabbi, will you come and be the rabbi there? Okay, fine. But before I said, it sounds good, but... Tell me about the program. Do you know, Jimmy, there was going to be no Hanukkah imagery at the program? None. So I said, at a Hanukkah party? So, so what, yeah, f figure this one out. Figure that, I said, who's going to come to this? And they start telling me. I said, listen, I'm not the rabbi for you to do this. I, you know, it, it was very clear that what they were trying to do was something 
they're trying to bastardize, as it were, what Hanukkah was all about. And, and I just didn't want to have any part of it. Student bodies. My alma mater is the George Washington University. Actually, I have a couple. I have three alma maters. That's one of them. I have two degrees from GW. Okay. The student senate on the eve of Passover of four or five years ago passed a resolution advocating boycott, divest, and sanction from Israel. Divest from Israel on the eve of Passover. Let me and let me. I, I want to jump in real quick because we're you just know? about out of time here for this segment. We'll keep you um, uh, briefly in a minute. Connect. The idea of anti-Zionism or anti-Israeli rhetoric to anti-Semitism. How can they be one and the same? Because there are those who would want to make the distinction and say, no, I'm just critical of Israel's policy. This is not a judgment on Jews in any way. Yeah, right. Sure. Okay. <laughs> you know, what, what ends up happening is uh, is uh, is they they treat Israel to a different standard, just like they treat the Jew to a different standard. Um, uh, it, 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 it's but what they do is they take this anti-Zionism tact and say it's much more socially acceptable to wrap it up in that kind of language. Um, but it still vilifies Jews. It still segregates Jews. Um, it still and it creates this illusion. You want to know what it is? It's taking this anti-Jewish animus, as it were, and focusing it strictly on Israel. So Israel, as a country, becomes the Jew of the world rather than the individual Jews ah, themselves. Ah, oh, that's a, a and it, and it perpetuates mm -hmm. and it perpetuates the same language, the same conspiracy-ridden yes. language regarding. Regarding economics, regarding well, faith, regarding theology, mm -hmm. as focusing on the individual. Well, and now you're focusing on the state. As we go to a break, I know you, you read a column that I wrote last week about Tim Hernandez, our uh, anti-Semitic state representative who's shown sympathies for Hamas. And one of the things that he went and tweeted out was this quote that he falsely attributed to Golda Meir, the prime minister of Israel, the first and only to this point female prime minister of Israel from 1969 to 1974. Oh, and she was the PM a, during no, there the. Was another, there, was, there was another female. Prime oh, minister. OK. OK. Thank you for clarifying, yeah. clarifying that. So the first um, and, and yeah. she was the prime minister during the Yom Kippur War. And the quote that he shared on social media back in 2021, by the way, a couple of years ago, said uh, what was about this burning of the, the Al-Aqsa Mosque when it was put on fire in Jerusalem. And it was by a 28-year-old Australian non-Jew who lit it. But this idea perpetuated by Hernandez was that it was Israel. And supposedly, she said, according to this false fabricated quote that he shared, when we burnt Al-Aqsa Al Mosque, I did not sleep the whole night for fear of Arab armies entering Israel from all around. But when the sun rose the next morning, I came to know we can do anything we want, for we are facing a Muslim Ummah nation which is asleep. She never said that quote, and it includes numerous anti-Semitic canards just in there, supposedly about Israel, but really about Jews. Real quick. Right, and I'll tell you some, and well, real quick, I'll tell you real quick. If you go to Palestinian Media Watch, which is a a, a 
uh, a media watch group, as it were, um, that deals with these kinds of quotes that come out of uh, of from people like like uh, Tim Hernandez. They completely, completely eviscerate this as as the falsity that it is. Yeah. What ended up happening was the Al Aqsa Mosque was was set on fire by that non-Jew Australian, and Golda Meir convened a cabinet meeting to allocate money to repair the mosque. That's what ended up happening. The exact opposite. It is astonishing, Rabbi but Jonathan. It's not, but it's not. Yeah, but it's not the first time. No, far that from these it. Kinds of have been thrown. Right. Far, far from it. Rabbi Jonathan Hausman, our guest, he's the rabbi at Ahavath Torah Congregation in Stoughton, Massachusetts. He'll stay with us on the other side as we continue. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler, right here on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk seven ten KNUS. My thanks to Bill Thor for plugging in this SRV bumper tune, little tune called Crossfire that I thought was apropos of our discussion, especially when we have Rabbi Jonathan Hausman, my good friend out of Stoughton, Massachusetts, who is a big blues aficionado himself. And you know what, Rabbi? Had he been alive today, Stevie Ray Vaughan would have just celebrated his 69th birthday earlier this month. I, I got news for you. With everything going on, were you alive today? I'd invite him. I would invite him to play at the synagogue. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll be honest. With you. Uh, you know, uh, you you listen to him and you listen to that. I, I mean, listen. The four musicians in the band between Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble. Yes, absolutely exquisite. Tommy Shannon's bass work, boy. I mean, he's just outrageous. You know, Reese Winans plays with Joe Bonamassa. I see him every year at Red Rocks, the best venue you can go for a concert. And he is better than ever now on the keys. And Chris Layton, he plays with uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd. He does indeed. I saw him this summer as well. So may not get to see Stevie ever, but I do get to see... Others in double trouble, which is you just want, a real. You want to know something? The, the um, though this is off topic, of course, and what we're discussing is very heavy, you know, with regard to the Middle East. Um, all I can say is, with regard to Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble, thank God for YouTube. Yes, you know, Amen, brother, Amen to that. Listener there, there text is a yeah. There is a great clip I had my daughter listen to. Stevie Ray Vaughan, Double Trouble with Jimmy Vaughan at the New Orleans Jazz Fest, 1990. Beautiful. That, oh, my gosh. One yeah, of his last you shows, then. To, you can find right, and you can find the entire set on, on YouTube. And the interesting thing is about they start off by playing a Freddie King tune. So Stevie Revolon's playing. You see his brother in the background, and then he turns to his brother. His brother, Jimmy, steps up and starts to play exactly like Stevie Ray. Ow, and okay. Stevie Ray Vaughan always said a couple of, I mean, he said a number of things. <laughs> but with regard to his brother, he said, and I quote, he said, I play 60% of what I know. My brother plays 10% what he knows. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's No, really, he always looked up to, to Jimmy, that's for sure. I, I uh, would be remiss if I didn't ask you, Rabbi Jonathan Hausman, 
talk to me about the blues and Jews, especially from your perspective. And I ask this question particularly as we are seeing the Jewish people again live the blues as no other group has for for as long as the Jews have. Well, look, I mean, the blues, it's a, the blues are a musical journey through life. You know, I mean, it's and and dealing with the ups and downs in life. And who was it? B.B. King said, you know, the blues never go away. Well, you know, it seems that the Jewish historical experience is it's pretty much the same way. We are we are brutalized. We are hounded. We are um, subject to all kinds of imprecations and things of that sort. But, you know, we take that, we use it as motivation, and we move on. And isn't that what the musical journey of the blues mm. is all about? You know, Amen. making something out of sadness, making something out of nothing, moving along and creating in your life, despite what's taking place around you. Um, yeah. No, no I think I think one that's, reason why mm, I like the blues. It's not the only reason. Well, it's, it's, it also just sounds phenomenal. I appreciate that, Rabbi. I think that is very well put. I want to get your response to reaction to uh, a handful of clips that I have pulled, including one that I think was a very interesting observation from Bill Maher about these land acknowledgments that we hear. For example, Denver Public Schools, every school board meeting, they begin their meeting with a land acknowledgment, and he had something to say about that vis-a-vis Israel with the Colonizers. Okay, this is, again, this has become like on the, in, the, in the media, colon, we just call the Israelis colon. It's not a colonizing. No. But, okay, colonizer is when... One country that was had nothing to do with another country, like the British or the Dutch in South Africa, marched in with an army and took over a place that they had no connection to. Israel has quite a connection to Israel. Jews are the... Uh, yes. If you... uh, yes. Most people, so many people commenting about this seem to have just started their understanding of it from five minutes ago. Uh, the Jews are the Native Americans of this piece of land. Yes, if you did land. a land acknowledgement okay. like we do in this country, where yes. I'm standing on yes. ground that was, yes. I'm standing on ground that 3,000 years ago was King David's capital and I of think Jerusalem. It's important. That, who do they? Who do, does Hamas and many Palestinian sympathetic people? Who do they refer to as settlers and colonizers? It's not just the Israelis living in the disputed West Bank. It's Israelis living anywhere within the internationally recognized borders of the state of Israel. Because to them, any Jew in that territory is considered a colonizer. And this language is used to dehumanize people and to license their murder. So it's, it's really important that we understand yeah. what this... What this and, and, if that, and if that land acknowledgement means, like, we honor who originally had the land, why does this work for Indians but not Jews? I'm not sure who the other guy was in that conversation, but what do you make of that? I, I found it a rather interesting insight. Well, it's not just an insight, it's historically true. Yes, you know, the, uh, with the Jews, the Jewish people, the only nation to have inhabited that area of the world, okay, as the indigenous, uh, indigenous population, the indigenous inhabitants of that part of the world. And it's not just Jerusalem, believe it or not. Um, you know, King David's first capital was in Hebron, Hebron. Okay, um, you know we're called Jews because 
prior to the Roman expulsions of, um, you know, during the first Roman war against the Jews, which ended in the year 74, and then the second Roman war against the Jews, which was the Bar Kokhba revolt, 132 to 135. Yeah, you know, we are called Jews because we originated our, our, we originated from Judea, all right, the kingdom of Judah. Um, and throughout history, people should also know that despite the expulsions and despite the, uh, the Roman laws and the Byzantine laws and whatnot that restricted Jewish life, there was always an ongoing Jewish presence in the land of Israel completely. Now, it's interesting that this come up, and, and with regard to Bill Maher, I just want to say one thing. It's very interesting to me how people tell me that he's betrayed the left. Bill Maher is very much a very bright thinking kind of guy. And I'm not so sure that he was always on the left. At best, or at worst, depending upon your position, Bill Maher may be from the left, but he's not of the left. Interesting. You know, and, I agree yeah, with that. I mean, and, and, I, and, you know, frankly, I think he's, for lack of a better description, he is more what I would consider to be uh, people who are approaching the classical liberal position in terms of political sure. philosophy and, 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 and how they view the world. Yeah. Um, Sure. You know, no, I, th I think so, that, that's good. Good insight. I, I do want to get to a couple of other things. Um, so if yeah. you have a, a a point you want to wrap up with real quick. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to. Right. And so here's the point. I was asked during my adult ed class this Tuesday night. Rabbi, could you explain, please explain how the Palestinians got to where they got to? And I said, listen, you, you need to understand as as Jews on Moss began to return to the land of Israel, with the Bilu movement in the late 19th century and, and the, the waves of Aliyah, the waves of immigration that ended up coming in, you need to understand industry ends up forming, uh, modern methods of farming end up being employed. Uh, you have work. And I said, if you take a look at the surnames of a lot of these people who claim to be Palestinian, you, you can tell where they're originally, families are originally from. You have people who say that they're Palestinians, but their last names are Al-Masri, al which means they're from Egypt, or Al-Hurani, which means that they're Syrian. Hmm. Or you'll even find them designated by their tribal last names, whatever the name is, Etekriti. They end up coming from Iraq. Okay, Baghdadi, they come from the Baghdad area. So you find this amongst a lot of the people who claim to be Palestinians that they're indigenous to the area. They're not. You know, with the advent of modern Zionism, political Zionism, listen, I'm not going to say that there weren't Arabs living in what was the governorate of Palestine under the Ottoman Empire. There were, okay? But not the numbers that people are talking sure. about. The figure about hmm. somewhere between 60 and 80,000 people, which was no different than, you know, the Jewish population at the time as well. So. Interesting. Rabbi Jonathan Hausman, our guest, I want to get your reaction. One other clip. This is specifically on the conflict um, overseas that is 
really it's it's well beyond a conflict it is terrorism from the jihadis in gaza known as hamas and islamic jihad as well as hezbollah um, going after israel with the most brutal attack against jews that we've seen since the holocaust and here is Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez pressed on her calls for a ceasefire, calls that are echoed by the likes of anti-Semite Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. Well, you know, I think what's important to note about a ceasefire is that it's not one-sided. Hamas has been sending thousands of rockets into Israel as well, and what is important is for us to identify our goal in terms of what safety means, in terms of what defense means. But and I think, I may, it, Congresswoman, I think the position from Israel's perspective is that there was already an attack mm-hmm. and Hamas already committed an attack. Mm-hmm. After that happened, do you really believe that they should not respond to that? I think what is important in terms of response is Israel does have a right to to self-defense. I think what we need to take a look at in this situation is if collective punishment qualifies as defense. If the blockade on water, food, electricity, if the dropping of white phosphorus, uh, which is an indiscriminate weapon, qualifies. So I do believe that there's a discussion to be had here. I don't believe that an either or approach is what is uh, necessary, but we should identify what our goal is which is the cooling of tensions. I don't have enough time to really let you get going on this, but in a minute and a half, your reaction. You want me to be honest? I've always. She's an idiot. She's walking proof that a degree from Boston University means nothing. Okay. You know, it's, you, you, you understand the instinct particularly when you're talking about prosecuting a war in a densely populated area like Gaza is. Um, But, you know, you learn in places like Fallujah that there is a way to do it. And how do you prosecute a war when you have a government like Hamas, who's reason for existence is the elimination of the state of Israel, whose civilians who were hired to come across into Israel to work ended up drawing the maps uh, that were used by those uh, Hamas butchers uh, to commit, you know, as they entered Israel and to commit the grotesqueries that they committed. So, you, you know, there are people who say, listen, there were all these people who are civilians. You know, my question is, I'm not sure how many of them are civilians. There's no way to know. But what did Israel do? Israel issued a uh, an announcement to say, listen, if you're innocent, if you're a civilian, if you're a mother, if you have children, if you just want to work, begin to head to the south of Egypt. Yeah. Our borders here are closed. Right. We have if we're at war, we have in terms of international law, we don't have to. We are not obligated to provide you with the electricity, the water, the whatever else. That's up to your you elected this government in 2007. It's not up to us to provide you with those kinds of human necessities. This is war. Yeah, this is war. And listen, well, people use people use a lot of analogies with regard to this. You know, can you imagine? Can you imagine 
what would have happened if these arguments were used during World War II, during the yeah. British, no, the I Allied think, bombing of Dresden, I, or, I gotta or run. the Nazi bombing of London. Uh, absolutely right. Uh, just always love talking with you and getting your perspective, Rabbi Jonathan Hausman. We have to leave it there. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. God bless you and the oh, state of Israel anytime, and the Jews. Jimmy. Our Jewish uh, friend. My pleasure. Anytime. You bet. We're going to take a break. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler, 710 KNUS. One of those things we call a super short top of the hour segment. As we wrap up this, the second hour of the George Show, Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler today as well as tomorrow from 6 to 10. My thanks to Rabbi Jonathan Hausman, who's always just a tremendous guest. Tomorrow we will speak during the 7 o'clock hour with retired Air Force Brigadier General Doug Slocum, a former tactical wing commander, a brilliant guy. I'm looking forward to getting his insights on the military side of what is happening in the war between Israel and and Hamas right now. That should be a fascinating discussion. When we come back, 303-696-1971, our telephone number. want to get your thoughts on what is happening in Israel, some of the rise in anti-Semitism and the points that Rabbi Hausman was making. We've got some sound worth hearing as well. Plus, Jim Jordan lost his second vote for speaker yesterday by a wider margin than on Tuesday. What does this mean for Republicans? And is he a real conservative? We've got that and much more coming up as we continue. Jimmy in for George, 710 KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.